0: Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambutasa so when I was just meditating now, I was, you know, I was also thinking a little bit. Um, you know, when I was about your age, and you know how my life was then, and 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 what has, you know, what has happened since then because it feels a little bit like um, you know when a, you know, a river starts to somewhere in the mountains you know there's like a spring and comes out and then first it's like really just a white water you know which then when it comes down the mountain it gets kind of more and more like broad and, and deep and and kind of you know, peaceful, you know, until it, it goes into the ocean and and I, I feel a little bit my life was like that, you know, and when I was your age, as I said before, it was about the time when I for the first time, you know, became aware of uh, people who were meditating mm-hmm. and, and in my case it was when I stumbled into Watson in, Mok in Thailand. Uh, yeah, uh, Monastery of Ajahn Buddha Dasa, and very unexpectedly uh, seeing him and, and what a deep impact that had on me, and how much it has changed my life since then. Completely um, changed the direction of my life in ways I would have never you know, expected that that would happen. And uh and I was just reflecting in the meditation what was it really what I've seen through meeting him and I think if I wanna bring it into a nutshell I think what I really then only intuitively understood and now I understand it, you know, also intellectually and and have, you know, worked you know since yeah since 30 years now with that is i think it's, it's like what he showed me was you know how one could be if one would have uh, really integrated and uh, digested the the three characteristics which is you know really fully allowed oneself to be impacted by by reality in terms of you know really taking in and paying attention to impermanence and what that actually, what effect that has, you know, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, or in instability, and emptiness, or not selfness, you know, of, of all phenomena. And I think when I met him, you know, I felt like very taken aback by his the the way he his presence was. But I didn't really know, you know, what is it? And kind of, and I was, it was for, again and again, you know, I I returned, and again and again, I was kind of trying to figure it out what it was, you know, what he so effortlessly um, displayed in some way. And and I think it took me like 30 years, you know, (laughs) to figure it out, I think. And... uh, but the heart, or you know, the chitta, how it's called in, in Buddhism, knew immediately, and uh, it was just like that. The thinking man, you know, didn't really, wasn't able to pick it up because he didn't have any, uh, you know, any kind of uh, information in there which had, which had a, a language for it, really. But the heart, you know, really doesn't need need a verbal language. It's, it understands. And that was the, you know, the connection I really very strongly had with him. It was like a heart-to-heart connection. And in Thai they have a, a special word for that. It's called Torah Chit. Chit is Chitta. And, for example, you know, Torah Sap in Thai means telephone. And Torah Tat is TV. And, and Torah Chit is that kind of, Communication, you know, from heart to heart, which doesn't need any words or any anything. Like, I think they call it here on the West Coast, it's called like a transmission, I guess, isn't it? Like the word which I've heard, like in, in Spirit Rock or IMS circles mentioned, you know, that some teachers have that quality, you know, they are just, by their way how they are, they're just transmitting something. You know, transmitting. I think a, um, a taste of, of freedom, one could say. You know, which they they leave it, and and then we can, if we are ready, you know, we can kind of pick it up, and and then not, you know, that we then, you know, get liberated because of that. But I think it it just uh, ignites, you know, a certain maybe faith, faith or. Uh, Probably faith is the right word for that, you know, that we have a trust in that this is really a teaching, you know, which can really work also for me, to, you know, or for for whoever, you know, has that kind of uh, experience. And then that can be extremely supportive, you know, in... in uh, you know stepping more fully into the into the practice by by you know making some changes in one's life in my case and you know, I've made a lot of changes after that and uh, you know and then somehow you know many different pieces in my life started to slowly but surely you know kind of come together and then I think like uh, Four years later, I was an anagarika. And and I had lived quite an unskillful life at that time. And I didn't keep any of the five precepts, I guess, you know, and hadn't really understood until I met him, you know, how important it is, you know, to to have uh, Sila and how, you know, how kind of. the repercussions of not keeping Sila, how, how kind of constantly kind of upsetting that becomes in one's life, and it's really not worth it at all, you know. But I didn't really understand that until I, I, I had that direct experience of somebody, you know, who had really gone very far already <clears throat> in, into the practice. And had really, you know, let go on a very deep level, and, and and I think that that letting go, that's what I saw in him. And even I didn't know that's what it was, you know, what what so strongly uh, attracted me, you know, because I was certainly uh, not having a language for that then. And, uh, you know, those three characteristics, it's just, the Buddha's teaching is just amazing in that sense because it's just, you know, even in the most simple way, if you look at the layout of the teachings, it's always clear, you know, it's not somebody else who is going to to liberate you if you pray or, you know, if you give... uh, Offerings or whatever—it's just uh, that you know understanding of those three characteristics and really uh, you know grappling with that and really opening up to this uh, vulnerability. You know because if you really look at the three characteristics, they are uh, uh, um, you know they are basically are the at the basis of making this you know experience of being a human being uh, on the planet makes it incredibly vulnerable you know impermanence, instability, unsatisfactoriness and emptiness uh, you know not self how it's called in the um, Theravada teaching And those three characteristics they in, in you know, in different ways, they all point towards uh, uh, incredible vulnerability. But if that vulnerability is really allowed, you know, to to sink in, then it it starts to transform in an invulnerability. vulnerability. Because if you really can flow with the with those three characteristics, then you know, suffering becomes, you know, less and less through through letting go, really. And uh, you know, if we look at uh, at, the, at evolution, you know, evolution is an ever increasing vulnerability. Looking at rocks, you know, and then turtles and, and human beings, we are definitely. Much more vulnerable than turtles and and rocks for sure. So and really, you know, allowing ourselves to to be informed and to really kind of allow ourselves to really uh, pay attention to to those three characteristics drives that home, you know, to us and. Um, I think when I saw him, that's what I felt. I, f- I really kind of saw that uh, inv- invulnerability, which you know was the result of 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 him really allowing himself to to be vulnerable, to really take in that, you know, really pay attention to. To those features of experience, we usually don't want to pay attention to. We usually want to kind of, you know, secure ourselves and build our lives, you know, in order to defend ourselves against those. And you know, and he was someone who who didn't do that. He, who, want, who, who went the other direction. And and you know, when I intuitively kind of understood that I just felt like I wanna do that too I didn't you know necessarily want to be a monastic but i've i've i wanted to also do that uh, do it and uh, and then you know different things happened and I ended up you know being a monastic as you can see and uh you know, still working on the same thing, still trying to really uh, allow myself to understand those three characteristics, and by kind of, you know, trying to to train the mind so the mind has more capacity for 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 really uh, being able to see clearly, by you know removing. More and more obstacles, and and you know the mind becoming one more, more sensitized, so that it can really see what is happening. You know the different defense structures, and and also of the confusion and and all of this stuff, you know, which is part and parcel of our conditioning, of our karma. And so it's it's a you know through actually. Practicing in in a way, you know, that we pay attention to particular features of experience, such as impermanence and unsatisfactoriness and emptiness, you know, the mind gets clearer and clearer, and then through the mind getting clearer and clearer, it can see deeper and deeper, and it's just like a, um, yeah, very powerful process. And uh, you know, meditation alone isn't really enough for that. But meditation seems to be, you know, the main technology how this can be achieved. But then also, you know, the whole setup of the monastic life is supporting that. And and then different skillful means, you know, like therapy and <clears throat> and exercise and studying and you know having having wise friends is, is also very important you know, living together with people who don't increase the confusion but just are also committed to kind of try to lessen the confusion by living in a way which is like sane you know at least aims towards sanity I think that's also very important and uh you know, Buddha was saying the two most important ingredients is uh, wise friends or spiritual friends. And uh Yonisoma Sikara, which means, you know, wise attention, paying attention in, in the right way, which means, you know, not just getting stuck on the surface of phenomena, but really, you know, paying attention to features we we normally don't wanna look at. And there's like lots of different instructions for that but the three characteristics are really summing it all up, you know. Paying attention to impermanence in the meditation, for example. And you know, paying attention to the process nature of our experience, you know, internally and externally. You know, in the beginning, it's like any kind of a skill, you know, which we can learn, like playing the piano or driving a car. In the beginning, it's it's difficult, you know, it's hard going, and it's all a bit clunky and doesn't sound great, and well, you know, it's a bit choppy how we drive, and all of those different skills. But if we put in the hours, if we put in the training, if we really kind of uh, you know, give ourselves to that fully, then it it does, you know, it does change. And the same, you know, with paying attention to impermanence, for example. In the beginning, it's like, you know, a choppy process, and it's it's maybe kind of quite intellectual. But then, you know, through repetition, it it becomes more and more. Smooth and 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 a more and more easy, like it stands out, you know, or the mind just starts to notice it without having to make uh, an effort anymore, because the mind is just trained to, um, you know, automatically pay attention to it, and then you know that the process nature of of life and the process nature of how the mind works is just um, becoming more and more apparent and seeing that you know process nature more clearly you know helps helps letting go a lot because the, the letting go is is not something we can we can do, but the letting go is, is the result of uh, you not know, paying attention to reality in, in a in a way which is uh, con- you know which is like consistent and uh, not just you know paying attention when we like to pay attention, but paying attention whenever possible, and then that you know that adds up. I think Ute Chaniya mentions that quite often. You know, any kind—it's like, you know, maybe not a great example, but it's like paying, you know, saving money and paying it on their bank account, and it, it uh, you know, it brings interest. And the same—it's <coughs> with the practice. You know, any moment we pay attention to what's happening, you know, beneath, underneath the surface. Any, any time we pay attention in the way. Of uh, you know really showing an interest in, for example, how the three characteristics you know operate in our lives. that's like uh, you know collecting information, and then if a certain kind of amount of Im- information has been collected, it starts to kind of uh, transform into. A certain degree of letting go and a certain, you know, impossibility of of buying into stories, you know, which we have been buying into for a very long time. But then suddenly it it drops away, and you know, you never know when it's going to happen. But it's it's an accumulation of uh, seeing clearly, you know, which at one point. Just flips and becomes and and results in letting go. And that goes slowly and slowly and you know, ever deeper and deeper into into our kind of you know confused mind patterns. And I think the three characteristics are a very uh, powerful way of uh, describing, you know, what, what's happening. And when I heard that for the first time, I was so kind of happy about it, you know, because I felt like this is such a um, amazing way of uh, communicating the, what's, what's happening you know, and what can keep us trapped but then, as soon as we really get this kind of guidance you know then we can immediately start working with it we don't need uh, you know we don't need anybody else to to kind of do it for us because it's not rocket science really, but it costs a lot of uh, of our dreams, you know, and a lot of our ego, basically, you know, and and unpleasant feelings and all of that. So I just find that, uh, you know, for me it's really the essence of of Buddhism, and I, I, uh, you know, I'm still today, after you know knowing about the three characteristics for maybe thirty years or longer you know I still find it it's incredible it's incredible um, it's it's very elegant and very simple and and very powerful and everything at the same time you know so it's it's really like a, uh, I feel very fortunate, you know, that I have uh, run into this, despite myself, so to say. Mm-hmm. You know. it is like the, you know, I, I just like this um, image of the jewel in the lotus, you know, Om Mani Padme Hum, which is like, you know, that's the lotus of our maybe of our practice, you know, or the lotus of our mind, and then, you know, if if it's, if it has the right uh, conditions, you know, it starts to just blossom, and we don't need to, you know, pull on the petals or do anything in particular, we just need to, um, you know, put the causes and conditions in place by by making wise choices, you know, and aligning ourselves with reality more and more and then it just starts to kind of open up and I have really experienced that in my my life and and you know when I how it you know when I stumbled into Buddha Dasa's monastery it was just like a, a chain reactions of of little things, you know, and I was not, I was actually on my, I've lived on an island in in the south of Thailand with fisher people for about a year, and I was smoking a lot of weed at that time, you know, and they didn't have any there to, to sell, so I had, my plan was to go to this other island to buy some and then come back. And on the way, and you know, I was on a bus station, and there was a, a young man with a shaved head, all wearing white. And I just, uh, and I was interested in what did, who is that guy? You know, white guy, because the other one were only ties. And I just went over and said, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And it turned out he was Austrian of all people. You know, mm-hmm. which you very rarely meet anywhere because we are only
1: <laughs> seven
0: mm. million people or so. Okay, he was Austrian, and then he told me, I, I'm living there in, in Suan in that monastery, and, uh, and he said, you should go there. And I had already the ticket to go to this other island to buy to buy gancha, as it's called in Thailand. And then I said, okay, and then I gave my ticket back and just jumped on a little taxi and, and went to the monastery just because I was curious and I came in, and then three days later, a meditation retreat was scheduled to start because they had a meditation retreat, 10-day retreat every month. And then I said, 10 days, I don't know if I can do this, you know. But I just do it, and then I just leave after a few days. And uh, yeah, and then after one or two or three days in the beginning, we all went over to have a talk by Buddha Dasa like 5 o'clock in the morning when it was still cool, you know, because he was already in his mid-80s or so. Yeah, and it blew totally, blew my mind, you know. Then I stayed for the whole 10 days. You know, and then... Yeah, and then I remember after the retreat, I smoked the joint in the monastery. (laughs) (laughs) I still remember. So, I, you know, I was... Still quite confused, <laughs> but but still, you know, it's, it it totally stuck to me, you know, and then I kept returning, yeah, and then like uh, you know, a few years later, I, I lived there and for about a year, and then and then from there I went to Amaravati and became an Anagarika. So so I really, you know, because of my confusion, I wouldn't have caught on, you know, if it would have just been somebody lesser than Arjun Buddha Dasa, because I think I wouldn't have been <coughs> able to, to really, you know, get the transmission. But because of his, I was lucky, you know, that it was him. So I needed a really big shot, you know, in order to <laughs> to penetrate, you know, mm-hmm. all of the whales of my confusion. But uh, but it worked, you know. And uh, so you know that that is really, you know, if one really has like a strong, I think, aspiration, then you know, I really feel like the whole universe is conspiring to help, you know. And, yeah, so this, you know, these three characteristics, I, I cherish that teaching very much, and, uh, you know, I wish that more people could, could really, um, Be impacted by it, you know, because it's so easy to just think oh, the three characteristics was, you know, big deal, you know, but it's, it's the biggest deal ever, you know, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, letting go and and liberating the mind from ignorance. It's 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 a very powerful way of a powerful medicine, you know, really powerful medicine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and to just really, you know, use the teaching and then being changed by it, you know, deeper, on a deeper and deeper <coughs> level. And, uh, and letting go being just uh, the result of that. And, uh, you know, in the Anapanasati Sutta, in the, the 16 steps, it's one of the, you know, powerful meditation teachings in the in the Pali Canon. The fourth Tetra, the the last of the four Tetras is is about you know starts with looking at impermanence. And then you know, so paying attention to something we usually don't pay attention to because we pay attention to what we want and how we kinda of get it. But this is like you know really kind of encouraging the mind to step out of that way of looking and looking at something completely different instead of looking at how can I get this or how can I get away from this looking at the impermanence of it not only you know at the impermanence of a thing but also at the impermanence of our mind states or impermanence of feelings or you know on many different levels and then uh, that you know, paying attention to impermanence then uh, you know leads to what's called in the in the Pali language nibida or or disenchantment. In 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 the sense of you know waking up from a spell. Disenchantment has a kind of a negative connotation in you know in our culture, but actually in in in, in the teaching it means you know being being free from something. Being free from a um, from a lie, really, or being free from a from a dream which cannot be fulfilled, and literally the word nibita uh, when you translate it literally it means not finding, you know, not finding what one is looking for because we are looking for something, you know, solid, but you can't find anything solid. So and in, in that, you know, in that first step of the fourth tetra, that not finding is actually the is the success, you know, is the, is the medicine, because if you're looking and looking and you're not finding, not finding that solidity it starts to kind of uh, sink in, you know and maybe the first reaction is like a bit of a despair, you know, but then if we stay with it, then the despair starts to kind of Actually, blossom into into wisdom, you know, because it's just the way things are, and despairing is just like the first step. It's like the, you know, the immaturity gets you know washed away through that, not finding, and then you know, the next step is uh, it's called viraga or um, this passion, you know, washing away of clinging, through that n- not finding, you know, the clinging just automatically starts to kind of a little bit and a little bit get a little bit less because you know any body can understand you know that if something isn't really what it is, clinging to it cannot lead to any kind of uh, Positive experience, you know, and then that, that clinging starts to kind of become ever so little, uh, lesser, and lesser. And, and uh, it, in the Pali language, it's called viraga, and, and the word raga comes from the word rang, which means to color. So that, you know, having looking through colored lenses at things, you know, like through rose colored lenses, for example. And then through that not finding, you know, this nibita, that coloring gets washed away. And through that washing away of the coloring, you know, we can see more and more clearly. And the next step is neroda, or cessation of, of clinging. Because we are, you know, when, when there is less passion, then we have more capacity, you know, to pay attention to the whole experience, not just to the so-called attractive bits, you know, not just to the beginnings, but we can, you know, have the capacity to pay attention to the whole experience, to so the beginning and to the, you know, to the duration, and then also to the ending. And that, you know, being able to pay attention to the ending of things, that is is very sobering, you know. If particularly, you know, paying attention to old age sickness and death, for example, you know, it's very sobering. And uh, in the beginning also there's no, you know, because it seemed like as... as uh, you know, something which it would be much better if that wouldn't be there. But then, you know, if you really kind of allow it to sink in, it, it actually turns the whole, everything turns around. And then, you know, which in the beginning is is a, can be, you know, the, you know, can give us a lot of despair and, and a sense of you know wanting to to run away and be somewhere else or distract ourselves but then if we really can digest it 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 is actually liberating. And I think that's what I really saw in, in Buddha you know, that he was someone he was kind of fearless because he had all of those things where everybody is afraid of and runs away from and in the process of you know, destroying like a whole planet, because we try to, you know, come up with so many props so that those truths do not touch us, and it, it doesn't work anyway. But at least, you know, people keep on trying and trying and trying and trying, and it's not going anywhere. So that was, you know, somebody who hasn't done that, but who has really allowed, you know, those those truths to really penetrate and then what happens is you know there's a so being fully penetrated by it then there is no more resistance you know and that that was that uh, easefulness you know and this invulnerability by non-resistance really by being completely permeable to those truths And it's it's a paradox, you know, in a way of speaking, but you know, the, I think the, you know, liberation through insight is kind of a, a paradox, you know. But letting that, you know, which is most scary, you know, letting that in, one becomes fearless. And I think that's what was so attractive, you know, about his presence, you know, even he was like a really old man, like 85, 86 or something like that, at that moment that he was the most interesting man on the whole planet for me, for sure, all other paled in comparison, Yeah. So then I'd like to end with a little quote here from the Buddha. Which, you know, is quite often, at the end of suttas, it's quite often um, quoted. And it, it goes like this. When this was said there, and then there's the name of the person, to the blessed one magnificent Master Gautama magnificent Master Gautama the Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gautama as though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down revealing what was hidden showing the way to one who was lost or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms then, you know, it goes on. I go for refuge to Master Gotama and to the Dhamma and to the Bhikkhuni Sangha from today. Let Master Gotama remember me as a Bhikkhuni who has gone for refuge for life. I've never read that. Kind of a mix, yeah. Thank you for listening.